Minnesota isn't just about hot dish hockey and Target. That's right, friends. It's AJ, your host of the Maybe Swearing Helps podcast, also known as your Minnesota best friend, the one you didn't know you had, and the one you didn't know you needed, but you are glad that you found me. I hope all of you had a great week, that your bosses were gentle to you, that your children respected you when you told them, no, you cannot have chocolate before dinner. And I really hope that your husbands folded the socks that the way you like them to be folded or that you went out and did something that scared your family. It's going to be a great episode here, folks. I am so glad that you joined me. So grab your wine, your comfy chair, and let's get down and dirty with the Maybe Swearing Helps podcast. At one time, I never marked the Alaskan Native American box on forms. I felt no one would believe me. I didn't want to be seen as a fraud. 25% didn't feel Indian enough to me. It didn't feel like I could claim my own heritage. I'd hang my head when someone asked me if I was Native. I'd respond with a quiet yes. I lived this way until I went to college. Gary took one look at me and said, you are enough. Blood quantum was created by the government as a means to shrink the tribes. Doesn't matter if you are whole, half, a quarter, or even 10%. It's what's in your heart and how you live in the world around you that matters. Gary taught me about my culture, my history, and my religion. He took me to Madeline Island and said, I have a surprise for you, kid. And I thought... Are we getting ice cream or what? He led me to a tiny church with a small cemetery to two tall gravestones and said, meet your ancestors. This is where you came from. He gave me what no one else could. He gave me my heritage back. He allowed me to be proud as a biracial woman. He helped me come into my own. Gary took me under his wing and would help me with my projects and proofreading my essays to ensure I stuck the landing. It didn't matter if it was for an environmental law course or one of his courses or even my history courses. He was always more than willing to proofread my documents and help me put together my projects. And for that, I'm so grateful. His lessons extended beyond the classroom and into the reservations surrounding us. He would bring myself and a group of students to different conferences throughout the semesters to further enrich our learning of what issues are currently being faced in Indian country today. We went to quite a few education conferences, um, some law conferences, a lot of different conferences throughout the year, throughout the years. And one of the particular conferences that I remember, late at night, we got a knock on our hotel room door and it was scary. We were in our pajamas and he's like, hey, there's live music downstairs. Do you want to go down? Do you want to go down and listen with me? Come on, come on, let's go. And that is where he learned that uh, I, AJ, cannot dance. As I awkwardly danced without giving a fuck on the dance floor, he laughed and he said, come on, let me teach you the round dance. It's the easiest dance you can do. That way you won't have to sit in awkwardly in the stands at a powwow. So there we were in the middle of this dance floor, in the middle of a casino, listening to a live band, round dancing. He taught me how to round dance. 
And another memory that I have at a different conference to this day, I can still picture the look on Gary's face when we all sat down to dinner. I made a point to sit next to him because I had a very serious question that I needed answered. And I was going to have my question answered that night. So I poked him on the shoulder and I said, psst, Gary. He lowered his ear so he could hear what I was saying. Psst, Gary, what does some guy ask me if I want a snag later? What does that mean? He looked at me, his face was blank, and he just bursted out in laughter. And our entire table of about 12 people or so was like, what's so funny? What's going on down there? And he's like, guys, AJ doesn't know what snagging is. I felt mortified. I was so embarrassed because everybody at the table knew but me. And he's like, oh, kid, he wants to take you back to his hotel room later. I felt half mortified and half like, damn, I got it going on. He never let me live that down. And that became our little inside joke over the years. He'd always joke with me and be like, hey, you got your snagging shoes on? Oh, you're looking pretty fly. You going snagging later? It became our joke. And up until his death, it was still our little joke that we had. Carrie was in his element out on his home reservation, which is the LaCourt Orioles reservation in Hayward, Wisconsin. He would often take groups of students out there as part of his Ojibwe culture class to show them the pipestone quarry, where he would explain that the Native Americans, the Ojibwe, would come and harvest this soft type stone from the quarries to make pipes, little figurines. And he brought us out into the woods and I was like, this is where people get murdered. And out in the middle of this woods is this random giant boulder. That was the day I learned about the little tricksters that live inside this boulder. And I was like, okay. But I believe it to this day. Like I am not gonna go knock or disturb, knock on that boulder or disturb that boulder because I, I don't want the little tricksters following me home. And Gary is also the reason why I refuse to look any wildlife hitchhiker that's on the side of the road in the eyes when I'm driving, especially at night, because I do not want to bring a Wendigo home. Uh -uh. I make sure that my ass is home before it's pitch black because I do not want to be passing a Wendigo on the side of the road. Like, nope, I am home before it's pitch black because I, I'm not going to mess with that. And another thing about Gary that was just so amazing his ability to teach you it was like he spoke to you directly he rarely taught out of a textbook or from an outline like he knew his shit and he would explain the hardships that the native americans faced he would explain assimilation relocation in such a way that it would anger your soul and you felt this fire deep in your belly of like god damn it i am gonna i am gonna make a difference i gotta write this wrong i gotta do something better and he had this incredible way of breaking down the different laws and acts that basically govern what Native Americans could and could not do. Like, I will forever remember the Dawes Act in its entirety based on the fact of a checkerboard. I remember him drawing, like, a tic-tac-toe board on the whiteboard and filling in squares. So, like, this is Native American land. This is white land. This native, native, na white, 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 white. And he's like, and this is how some reservations to this day look like a checkerboard. I'll never forget that. That's just how he was. And he also believed in learning by doing. We would go ricing in the fall. And he knew I was terrified of spiders. He would take students ricing 
And he'd be like, oh, nope, you are not going to go in a canoe and knock rice into the canoe because there's spiders out there. And if you get a spider in the canoe, you're going to end up in the drink. So I learned how to shake the screens over the fire to pop the rice out of the shell instead of like getting the rice into the water and basically wasting food. And at the end, he was like, hey, do you want to go canoeing? And I was like, uh-huh, I do, but I don't want a spider in my canoe. So he like thoroughly checked that canoe to like make sure there was no spider in it. So I wouldn't get scared and end us up in the drink. Cause he's like, I, I don't want to go for a swim today. <laughs> I didn't want to go for a swim either. So I am just so grateful. That's the type of professor that he was. He looked out for his students and his door was always open to his office and he knew exactly what to say or exactly what story to say to you on the way you slumped down in the chair across from his desk. He knew if you were having a hard day, if you were having a good day and you needed to celebrate or you needed to vent about whatever was going on in your life, he didn't care. He was truly 100% there for students and he created the First Nations Student Center. It was this little room in Sunquist Hall. So many friendships that I have to this day were built around those round tables. It was a place where there was no judgment. You could come as you are. Nobody cared if you were full or 10% or 25% or maybe you weren't Indian at all and you just wanted to learn about the culture. Everybody was accepted there. That's the environment Gary created, like the safe, beautiful space where you could learn, come together as a community. And I remember the day that I walked into his office and I said, I'm not going to go to law school. He was pissed. He believed so deeply in my dream of going to law school and coming back and practicing tribal law to make a difference in the state of Minnesota for in Wisconsin for our native tribes. And when I said I wasn't going to go to law school, I think he was more pissed than my own parents were. He just kind of looked at me and he was like, you have to guarantee me one thing. And I said, okay, what is that? You have to make a difference. I kept my word. I made a difference. I have advocated for women's health, for ending the use of mascots, for helping families get through the red tape of the Minnesota State School system so that they can find out what happened to their relatives, including my own grandfather. He supported that journey and he cheered me on. Whenever I'd hit a roadblock, he'd be like, just keep on pushing. If, if it's meant to be known, the spirit world will provide. They will provide you with a path. And when we said that, we were looking into adoption. And I said, will you be one of our witnesses? And he was like, yes, yes, I would be honored to do that for you. I would be so honored to do that for you. And I know he was waiting just as hard as everyone else for us to bring a little little one home. And I'm so sad. And he didn't get to see that day that I didn't get to bring my child up to visit him and to hear those stories. One of the things that I loved most about Gary was the fact that he just kind of had this sixth sense, like he just knew that people needed him. And it always seemed like I would get that out of the blue phone call at the right time. On the night that my fiance passed away, I was sitting in his closet, just a blubbering mess, trying to figure out what his final outfit was going to be. 
and my phone rang. It scared me because I wasn't expecting any phone calls. And he looked down and it was a number that I had memorized. And I knew by heart. I knew exactly who it was. And I picked up and I heard, hey, kid, how are you doing? And I said, not good, not great either. I'm sitting here in Charlie's closet and I'm supposed to figure out his final outfit. And for the life of myself, I can't remember what he liked to wear the most. And I feel that he should be comfortable. And I, I just don't know what to do. And he said to me, you should probably start out with some pants because you don't want him to be, because if he doesn't have any pants, that might be a little inappropriate. What kind of pants did he like to wear? And that made me laugh at that comment of just thinking of a half-naked man in a casket. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That would be inappropriate. And he stayed on the phone with me until I had his final outfit picked out. And I said to him, I don't want to go to sleep. Don't. Because when I wake up, I'm still going to be living the same nightmare. So he stayed on the phone with me for hours just telling me, stories and letting me talk about Charlie and share those memories of a person he never got to meet in the coming days and weeks he would call to check in to see how I was doing and that's just the type of person he was just somehow he knew that you needed him in those moments and I remember when I had surgery on my neck I had to have the incision reopened due to an infection and he had saw that on Facebook and he messaged me. He said, hey kid, how are you doing? And I said, not good, not great. <sighs> I really want to take a shower, but they say I have to keep my incision site dry. So he calls me and he says, okay, I had surgery on my arm and this is what worked for me. Do you have any of that press and seal? And I said, yeah, I got a roll of press and seal in my kitchen. And he goes, okay, take a big piece and wrap it around your neck, but not too tight because you don't want to strangle yourself. And that should keep the water out of your open incision. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And he was like, call me back when you get done with your shower. I want to know, I want to make sure it was okay and that you're okay. Well, I got out of the shower and I got to, you know, getting ready for my upcoming work week and trying to figure out how I was going to go to work with this massive like bandage on my neck I just looked like crap I was bruised and before I know it it's like 10 o'clock I'm watching the news and I look down my phone's ringing it's scary well you either tripped and drowned in the shower or it worked you didn't call me back like I asked and he was a little upset that I didn't call him back like he had asked and I said to him oh it worked great I didn't strangle myself and it stayed dry. And I feel a little better now because I have all that surgical gunk and crap out of my hair. And he was like, good, good. Now get some sleep. I'll check in with you later. And he did. And throughout the years, he always just checked in to see how I was doing. And we shared stories of just what was going on in our lives. And over the past weekend, I found myself like scrolling through his Facebook just looking at the stories that he shared and the memories that he shared because they realized that that daily dose of Gary isn't going to be there in the go forward. And I'm so thankful that we have technology today and things like Facebook that allow us to go back and see those stories, to 
see those comments that the people that we loved left behind. It's like a piece of him will always be here on this earth. And today, COVID makes me angry. Makes me so angry because that's what took Gary out was COVID. And he did not deserve to go out like this. Just like so many other people in this world. They didn't deserve to die this way. And I'm a little angry because he had so much left to give to this world. And his life was cut short because of a virus. Because of a virus. And we can't go back in time. We can't get more time with Gary. Our memories are going to have to, our memories and his lessons and his stories are what are going to have to carry us through the rest of our lives. Gary was that one person that I always thought, no matter what in the world, he's always going to be there. He's that person that's going to answer your message in the middle of the night or your phone call who's going to be like, hey, come on up, sit on my deck, let's talk, I'll light a fire. I'll make some chili or I'll make whatever. He was that person. And to realize that I don't have that person in my life anymore, the person that's always supposed to be there and die when he's old and gray in his 90s and his hundreds is heartbreaking. And I know that I'm not the only heart that's breaking today because he has a family and their hearts are breaking, but they're also realizing what a difference this man made. You couldn't walk away from Gary Johnson without feeling changed. He had that power in him. He had that type and that ability to be a teacher. He made a difference in the lives of thousands of students. He changed the education system. He changed things for the better. He made it okay for you to be like, yes, I am Indian, I am Ojibwe, and I am fucking proud of it. He instilled that in each and every single one of us. And I'm so grateful that I ended up at the University of Wisconsin Superior, that I ended up in that tiny little office, which led to that room where I met some of my best friends to this day. And I would give anything to be sitting in Burger King, eating Whoppers and French fries with Gary, or just passing him in the halls again, or sitting in his lectures, absorbing every word that came out of this man's mouth. I'm forever grateful. Because of Gary, I got my heritage back. Because of him and his mentorship, I am the woman that I am today. I am the woman that I am today. And so many other people, men and women, students, or even you met him just somehow through the world of life can say that they are a better person because they knew Gary Johnson. Rest in power, sir. You lived a good death and now it's time to rest. You rest in power with our ancestors. You hug your son tight and all of those that came before you. Rest in power, my friend. Wondering what I look like? Do you want to see me awkwardly dance at the Mall of America with a cotton candy duck or just awkwardly dance in public without any music at any given time? 
I have no shame, folks. You can follow me over on TikTok. I am at Ninja in the City, or you can go on over to MaybeSwearingHelps.com. Have a question, have a topic that you would like to hear discussed? You can email MaybeSwearingHelps at gmail.com. I look forward to interacting with you, friends. Have a great week.